a huge thank you to Hrefs for sponsoring the full second season of Work in SEO podcast. Hrefs is an all-in-one SEO toolset with free and reliable learning materials. Junior marketer, SEO expert, you'll find Hrefs toolsets powerful yet easy to master. As a beginner, you can learn how to perform many SEO tasks thanks to Ahrefs YouTube videos, beginner's guides, and blog. By the way, do you know that Ahrefs is hiring? Do check their open positions on ahrefs.com jobs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Work in SEO podcast. I am Isaline Mühlhauser, SEO consultant and founder of Work in SEO job board and podcast. Today, we welcome Daniel K. Chang, SEO consultant based in Australia. We discussed all things related to imposter syndrome. Hey! Hi, Daniel. How are you doing today? Hi, Isaline. I am great and I'm excited to be on here to talk about all things imposter syndrome. <laughs> Feeling Ooh, nervous already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are more used to be on the other side of the podcast, right? <laughs> that is true. It's like asking questions is easy. Now I have to, I have to sound smart now. I'm terrified. Hence the no, imposter syndrome. I'll, yeah, I'll have easy questions. Just say what comes to mind and I'm sure it's going to be great. And actually, it's a really good moment to say that you also have a podcast and that it's a great one. So I totally recommend people to listen. Do you want to do a small intro of your podcast? Sure, sure. Uh, thank you for the ability to plug. <laughs> it's called uh, Make SEO Simple Again. And similar to work in SEO, it's less about the actual doing of SEO, but exploring the personal journeys and stories of people such as you. and the person who's listening right now. It's like, it's, it's all about how we come to do this strange thing in search and we've all taken weird pathways and that's really make SEO simple again. Great. I'll make sure to share a link to your podcast for our audience. And well, let's start with you. So how did you get into SEO? How did you start? Oh, I mean, like, I think for anyone who works in search, no one grew up thinking, I'm going to work in SEO or I'm going to work in search because that, that career path was never really a thing. In fact, I kind of stumbled upon SEO because I was a wedding photographer for nine years. And being my, you know, being a business owner, I had to understand marketing, marketing and, you know, organic traffic was one of the things. And that's how I came to be aware of it, but that's not how I knew or learned it. I formally learned SEO when I quit being a wedding photographer and decided I need a career change or rather I wanted a salary job. I wanted some job security. So I reached out to James Norquay, who is the founder of Prosperity Media. And I was like, you know, zero experience. I was like, hey, are you hiring? And then for some reason, they said yes. And I went for an interview. I remember at the time, the senior SEO consultant asked me, oh, uh, how do you like, what, what's your understanding of links? I had no idea. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and somehow, I guess through just being honest and being willing to learn, they saw something in me. And that's my, that's how my journey really started. And I've been at the agency for three, three years and it's been a lot of fun just learning how much I don't know. I think that's what's been interesting about 
SEO. And that's really weird. Like, you can't see me right now because this is a podcast, obviously, but I obviously look Chinese. And being Asian, you know, not knowing the answer is not typically how you were brought up, especially through formal education either. You either had to know the answer or had to find out. And with SEO, it's, it's always changing. Like, I feel as though the fundamentals don't really change, you know, understand search intent, produce great value. And, you know, the rest kind of takes care of itself, but there's no real right or wrong answer. There's no textbook. And that's what makes it fun. That's awesome. You already answered part of my following question, which was what do you like about SEO? And from what you said, I understand that you have a widely curious mind and you just like things changing or... Is there something else that attracts you to the industry? Yeah, I, th I think there's a few things and you hit the nail on the head and that is, I think I am quite curious. Although growing up, I didn't really think I was, but definitely when it comes to trying to understand why things rank, why things don't rank, it definitely helps to be curious. Otherwise you will hate search. But also there's, there's kind of no formal way to enter into search. There's no regulated body that says you have to complete this degree, you must have this type of experience. I entered into search when I was, how old was I? 20, 26, 27, 28. So not that young, but I had a lot of life experience and that curiosity and having to have to solve so many different problems in life, that has helped a lot because it allows you to think critically. And when I think back to Why did my parents really want me to go to school and complete a college degree and go into debt? Well, it's, I guess you're supposed to be able to think critically. And that is to my understanding, my experience anyway, one of the secrets to understanding search intent. And that is, what was I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and I wonder, so you started in, in an agency like age 24, 26, and you started like a real junior or even more, more than a junior? Or No, it was junior. I was at the bottom <laughs> for the six to nine months. How was it like? It, it was, I had no idea what I was doing. For the first six to nine months, I did not understand what I was doing and why. At the time, and in three short years, I've you know tripled my salary and become team lead. And I guess that also speaks to just being curious as well. But at the time, we were doing some things that I didn't understand. And as I started to read more and try to learn more about SEO, I started questioning my boss. I was like, hey, why are we doing this? This doesn't seem right. Like, why, why are we calling citations link building? Let, let's not do that. It sounds a bit dodgy. So maybe let's stop that. And through that process, Uh, my boss started to trust me and take on this outside or this new cider person's of opinion. And we've been, I guess, changing how we take client work and how we do certain things. But of course, it all comes down to you just need to be exposed to it. You don't know what you don't know. And when it came to whether it's on-site, off-page or off-page, no, off-site or off-page, whatever, or technical SEO, you know, There is so much to learn and you'll never know it all. It's just the good thing about starting with an agency is you just get a lot of exposure because different clients have different things and you just start running to the same problems, recognizing them and trying to find the same or different ways to solve that same problem. And so that's kind of fun, I guess. That's how you find 
depth of how much you don't know. And it's up to you to decide, do you want to cover those gaps or not? Can you remember the type of task you were doing at the first beginning, like keyword research <laughs> or keyword gathering, this kind of thing? Yeah. So again, back at the time, there was no real process of doing stuff. And we've definitely in the last three years improved upon that a lot. And so keyword research was kind of logging into SEMrush, logging into Ahrefs and using the tools without really putting in your own type of critical thinking as to what does search intent mean. I mean, even in three, three years ago, the understanding and adoption of search intent has evolved a lot and has become a little bit more mainstream in SEO anyway. But before it was just use this tool. Oh, it has high search volume. Let's go for that. Let's ignore what people actually mean when they search for it. But you know, that was kind of writing a lot of content for on-site based on, again, search volume. It was buying links. Let's just be honest. Links are always bought. Well, a lot of links are bought these days and continue to be done, continue to be done this way. We did a little bit of technical, but again, let's be honest here. I didn't start getting comfortable with even talking about technical SEO until 18 months ago. Up until then, it was just a too hard thing for me because I was scared. I can't read code. I can't write code. Still can't. But thankfully, I kind of understand what technical SEO is about. So that's less scary. But back in the day when I first started, it was, again, the first six, nine months. No idea what I was doing or why. But after a while, when you start doing certain things and then seeing either change or no change, then you develop your own sense of, is this working? Is it not working? If so, why? And that I feel as though has been why I enjoy it so much, at least. And to discuss our subject of the day, imposter syndrome, did you feel imposter syndrome like when you started as an SEO or was it already before in your previous career as a photographer? Did you have like imposter syndrome moments already? Oh, I think I've always had imposter syndrome. However, the funny thing is when you, when I first started, again, I didn't know how, what I didn't know. So it was kind of didn't have as much. I feel as though it's been the last one to two years where I've developed more experience and more understanding that then the imposter syndrome really kicks in, especially when you're meeting with people, you know, pre COVID or now a days on Twitter. Like sometimes you're afraid to push out some things, some findings, some opinions. Because you, you, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that someone else may disagree with me, even though from my data, it might be true. And if I look back at imposter syndrome when I was a photographer, yes and no. Like Photography is a little bit different from search in the sense that as long as it's in focus and you know how to color, it's going to be okay, <laughs> I feel. Well, that's my opinion anyway. Again, I was a wedding photographer, so very different from other types of photography. But imposter syndrome was more a rocking up to a particular wedding and having a predetermined idea of what I want to achieve, but not being able to do so. And then that, you know, would suck. But in terms of SEO, imposter syndrome really is sometimes when you do the same things, follow the same process, and let's say it worked before, it may not work for that site. And then you start questioning yourself, is it me? Is it my understanding? Is it my execution? Was it my strategy? Or was it something totally beyond my control? And as I gained experience, I became more comfortable with accepting, maybe it's beyond my control. 
And thankfully, others have shared that same type of opinion where, you know, you can do all the things. You can follow all the on-page recommendations, get that right, get the crawling and rendering right. And sometimes Google or Bing or whatever search engine, they just don't respond or you haven't waited long enough. And so sometimes I feel as though imposter syndrome is mostly just us comparing ourselves to other people and their success or their perceived success when quite often it's just when I look at myself, it's just me being too hard on myself. Do am, like, When it comes down to what, when I'm working for clients, it's am I doing my best for them? If so, great. Don't worry about it. If not, then fix that. And that's kind of how I've tackled imposter syndrome. But I guess a spin-off of that of imposter syndrome is more importantly talking about vulnerability. Because growing up, when I was a wedding photographer, I was much younger. I was like, what? 20, 23, 24. So very arrogant. And so it was a very gung-ho type of attitude. Oh, I'm going to be the best. You know what? I'm going to be the best wedding photographer in Sydney. Yeah, mate, good luck. Like, what is best? But it wasn't until oh, maybe I was 20. I think I was 27 at that stage. And I was listening to one particular podcast. It was called Entrepreneur on Fire. And I was driving home from the studio and and this particular podcast was just saying, you're enough. And then when I was driving, I literally broke down in tears because for all you know, 27 years, I was telling myself I wasn't good enough. And that could be an amalgamation of many things. It could be just what's happening in the society. It could be just when you're comparing yourself because of school that, oh, I'm ranked 10th. I was never ranked 10th. I was kind of like 60 or 70. But you know, it's just that growing up, that's how you're conditioned to think. And, you know, social media didn't help that either. It's like everyone's showing their highlight reels, whereas you're just living your normal dull life. And I remember that time I, I realized, you know what, I am enough. And then that kind of was then my catalyst for learning about this concept of vulnerability, especially as a male. We don't really embrace that much. We're very macho. We have to be strong, that kind of rubbish. And that's when I got into Brene Brown. I started reading this book called Daring Greatly. And oh, within the first two chapters, I was like, this is me. I understand everything that is about being Chinese and having Chinese parents about shame, shame triggers. I was like, OMG. Now I understand why I project so much aggression and fear. It's because of all this. And, you know, addressing that took a time, took some time, but it's been a wonderful journey accepting who I am with all the faults, all the positives, and it's allowed me to become much better at search because I no longer care if I'm right or wrong. I'm just testing. I'm just trying stuff out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay. And you said something interesting that, well, as far as I understand, you had a chunk of time where you felt the syndrome, but you didn't know what it is. And it took some time to be aware of what is actually happening. Can, can you tell us more about what you feel? You mentioned that you have thoughts about self-doubt and, but do you also feel something in your body? Like what happens when you hit with a wave? <laughs> it's like before, like literally uh, 15 minutes before this recording, I looked at my camera and was like, should I cancel? <laughs> because I was like, oh, I haven't prepared my story. Oh, no one would want to listen to me. Like, what have I got to share? And I started sweating and getting hot. 
like physiologically, I'm going to give up. But physically, there was a you know reaction, and that was the sweats. It was feeling maybe I'm not good enough. Why did I sign up to this? Can I back out now? And sometimes you just have to push through, and it still happens. Maybe less so in search, but you know sometimes I still feel it when I'm in a pitch, about to pitch, or when it's time to explain why you haven't hit those KPIs. <laughs> but ultimately, I guess you just need to find your own way of dealing with your self-doubt and understand, for me personally anyway, from my experience, it's knowing I've done my best and therefore it's okay. Whether the results came or they didn't, I'm pretty sure whether it's my boss, other stakeholders or the client itself, they are aware of that. And they're not judging me based on that. It's more how much effort I put into it and communicated that to them. And I feel as though if you're starting out in SEO, it's all about the results. Everyone's showing all these hockey graphs. Oh, I got like all these links. I got all these placements. Oh, my traffic skyrocketed. Yeah. Have you seen the y-axis? Can- <laughs> Actually, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But again, it's like social. Everyone's sharing their highlight reels. They're not showing the failures. They're not showing the tests that didn't work because that's not sexy. It's not fun. Everyone just want to see this upward trajectory. But search isn't always like that. And it's okay. If you already turned down opportunities, like would you have canceled on me a couple of years ago when you had oh, this for feeling? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I really? I would have like I've said yes, I'll go to so many events when I was younger. And then last minute I would have driven there, parked there, about to get out and was like, nah, don't want to do it. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. Like it is I definitely feel it is self-doubt and it's insecurity. And not being comfortable with who I am. Like when we think about networking and meeting new people, like I haven't been doing that for a long time. So I don't remember. But I remember when I was younger. So I'm thinking back when I was 18, 19, 20, those years, I would go to these events, whether it's a party or whatnot. And I would just stand in a corner all by myself. Or I'll make an excuse and go outside to smoke because I didn't want to sound stupid. I didn't want people to judge me. These days, I don't care if you judge me. I don't know you. You don't know me. Whatever. And I guess that could come with age, but age, you know, wisdom doesn't come automatically with age either. I think it does just come down to acceptance of, I'm okay. And I guess you have to go through some valleys in order to reach that level of acceptance of who you are. Same with SEO. You've got to make those mistakes, even though they may not be mistakes. Have you already beaten yourself up after? having turned down an opportunity like, oh, I wish I had said yes and had had been brave enough because my life would be different. Oh, I haven't seen looked at it that way. But then I've also haven't really opened myself up to a lot. Like you, I think you were one of the first that I've decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, instead of hiding behind the microphone and asking the questions, I'm going to put myself out there and see See what it's like. And you know what? It's been like, what, 10, 15 minutes? And it's not terrible, (laughs) right? (laughs) Hopefully not, no. (laughs) I mean, if you're listening to this and you are relatively new, you know, just, just try some things. It's okay. Don't take everything that you come across as gospel. Just try. Test it for yourself. And that's what matters. How do you find the balance between deciding to do something you're afraid of and and maybe thinking, oh, because 
you know, you have this, you want to be healthy mentally and not going through too much to be able to go through it, obviously. And sometimes you have to protect yourself and not do things. And it's a very difficult balance. So how do you approach this? That's a really good question. And I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that, although I'll, I'll try to pull from my own experience. I feel as though I've, I don't ever say yes to things that I can't do. I feel as though limitations are self-imposed and opportunities don't really come my way. I feel as though that person who's offered it believes that I can fulfill it in some way. I feel as though the mental health side of you know the pressure and the stress, again, is self-imposed. And like I'm a person who suffers from migraines, and sometimes my body re- responds to stress, to stress by giving me a crippling migraine. Thanks, brain. And I guess it's me going, oh, okay, I'm putting myself a lot of pressure. My body is trying to tell me, yes, the next 12 hours are going to suck a bit as I try to get through this. But here's a very clear reminder that, hey, maybe slow down or rethink reframe the type of narrative that's in my head instead of i need to get this done it's more okay let's see what we can do over the next whatever the timeline is so that i'm not putting too much pressure on myself that's kind of how i deal with it but otherwise i'm one of those weirdos who loves stress but i won't say i love stress but i thrive on it without stress life is a bit dull (laughs) i love what you said about if someone asks you to do something it means that they really trust you to be able to do something. And yeah, I, I really like this idea. I didn't, I didn't see it the other way around, you know? So I hope everybody will remember that. That's a people. That's one thing you should remember after this podcast. It's that lots of people trust your ability. And sometimes probably we don't trust ourselves, but lots of other people would say that we awesome at it. And Can you tell us more about what you do when there is a challenge you've decided to do? Let's say this podcast, the beach or whatever else. You know that it's within your ability to do it, but you still very much doubt yourself and going through a rough moment. What do you do? Do you have your cognitive abilities? Because stress can be very, can make the brain fuzzy and like, you're not able to think properly. So what do you do to just, you know, be there 100%? Okay, let's just take this recording again, for example. It was just turn up and breathe and see where it goes. And that's similar for many other experiences. For example, many years ago, I did a presentation. It was like the first presentation I ever did. It was at a university photography club and I was there to show how awesome I was. I, I didn't feel like I was awesome. And I remember sitting in the car again, didn't want to do it, but I was in my, I had a crippling migraine again, but I couldn't let these people down. And so I just walked in, I breathed and the rest took care of itself. I'm not really a very confident person. That's my perception of it anyway, but others tell me that I project myself or I communicate in a way that I do appear as though I know what I'm talking about. So that's great. Even though inside I'm feeling, but you know, it's just at least knows again, you, you won't be offered something unless someone believes you can do it. Most people want you to succeed and therefore just walk in and do it. 
unfortunately, I don't have a process that I go through. I don't have a mental checklist. For me, it's just turn up, turn up, Daniel. Give it your best. If it doesn't go well, doesn't go well. And if you know if it's because you didn't prepare, then that's your lesson, Daniel. Figure it out to fix it. But otherwise, I'm confident that I know enough about whatever it is that I'm supposed to be talking about or presenting or doing. And therefore, it's just taking that first step. The rest will, you know, the brain, the body will just take care of itself. You mentioned earlier that your parents brought you up to that there could be some impact on your upbringing. Can you <laughs> tell me more about that? <laughs> sure. Again, okay. My parents, lovely people. They did the best they could. But as children, obviously, you know, different opinions of how should do things. But they were immigrants to Australia. They came here when they were, well, when I was very young. And so, you know, it was for a better opportunity. And so there was some pressure. Again, I don't think they gave me any direct pressure. It was self-imposed pressure that I must perform well, that I must do well at school. And I don't think they ever explicitly told me this. And it wasn't until like I was 19, something that I had finally an adult conversation with my dad. I was like, oh, I felt all this pressure. I needed to do well. I have to go into uni. And, and he actually, frankly, just told me, son, I don't care if you're like successful, rich or whatever. I just want you to be a kind person. And I never heard him say that to me. And I wish he did. You know, I wish he had said that kind of stuff to, to so that I wouldn't think that my worth or my self-worth was based on academics. Because, you know, when you're young, what else do you have to compare yourself with? If you're not good at sports, if you're not good at school, then what are you good for? That's why I love search. You don't have to be great at anything except for just find solutions. And so, you know, that type of upbringing, again, I don't think it was their upbringing. It was just there wasn't that open communication of them letting me know that I was doing okay and me thinking I wasn't doing okay because I didn't score above 60 at school. But then that's on me. Maybe I should have tried a bit harder. <laughs> yeah. And to wrap up this podcast, you have, what are your advice or how would you summarize what you said? The most important points for our audience who might be feeling something similar today. Most of the barriers that you'll come across in life are self-imposed. They're in your head. Most, more often than not, you are very, very, if not well, very well equipped, if not better, to deal with any challenges that you come across, whether that's in your personal life or professional, professional life. So take it from someone who has had a lot of self-doubt, who has had a lot of shame triggers around money, about performing, that if I can do it, then I'm pretty sure you can too, because you can. It all starts with taking that first step. Maybe you won't get it the first time, second time, or third time. But each time you try, then that will bring you closer to whatever goal that you have set for yourself. Oh, I love it. And thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And I think I need to add something. And also what I hope you will remember while listening to this is that It's, it's not you. It's you can do this. And most SEOs, we are nice people. And even though you see, as Daniel mentioned, awesome graph with fantastic going upwards line, it's not always that. <laughs> Actually, most of the time it's not. <laughs> 
and it's okay and you're okay and you're going to be just fine. And also just try the opportunities, do your best because most of people around you, they trust that you can do things, honestly. And also I'll make sure to share the link about Brené Brown because I listened to one of her conference too with, with an audio book. And I found it really useful. So hopefully it can help our audience too. Is there any more link I should, uh, or resource about the subject that I should share, you think? Well, anything related to Brene Brown, whether it's her TED talk or to her books or even the YouTube interviews that she's done, will that's helped me immensely. And that I think will help your audience too. Yeah, uh, well, you're right. There are, there are um, uh, free resources from Brené out there that work I can easily share too. Awesome recommendation. Thanks a lot. Thanks for sharing your story. That was awesome. It's been a pleasure, despite me thinking of cancelling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really happy you didn't cancel. So that was lovely of you. <laughs> no, it just goes to show. Yeah, I think I, I wouldn't have let you cancel. I would have followed up and saying, hey, what did you cancel? Do you want to book another meeting? What happened? <laughs> nice. Thanks a lot for being here. Do you, If people want to keep on um, discussing with you, where can they find you? Twitter is probably the best place. So I'm at Daniel K. Chung. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, but that's where I hang out a lot. You can find me on LinkedIn, but I don't enjoy LinkedIn much. Yes, of course, I'll share the link to uh, your Twitter, Twitter handle. And also, you can follow Working SEO Podcast on Twitter. And please, if you have uh, any insights, feedback or suggestion, just reach out to me directly, send a tweet, send a message, anything. I'm here and I'm always happy to hear. And of course, I'll share a transcript of this conversation. So in case you'd rather read again the conversation it's there and i think that's it for the announcements and of course like and share the podcast i'm always happy to see that you've enjoyed it and thank you for listening to us today i'm looking forward to to the next podcast and the next guest and while well, seeing you anywhere on social media or at a conference maybe this year all right thanks a lot and goodbye